Psalm chapter 22, verse 1. To the overseer on the hind of the morning, a psalm of David. This is written to the chief musician. The title of the song is The Hind of Morning, which means the deer of the dawn. And it could also mean the last part of the morning, which I think is what it really means, because hind means the end. And the end of the morning to you and I would be around 10 a.m. or 11 a.m., something like that, before you get to noon. I think that's the true title of the song, The End of the Morning. It's written by King David, and this is one of the most prophetic chapters in the entire Bible. It prophesies Jesus Christ on the cross. It was written about 400 years before Jesus went to the cross, and yet it accurately describes the scene. Jesus died at approximately 3 p.m. in the afternoon, but by 11 a.m., somewhere between 10 a.m. and 11 a.m., is what this scene is talking about. So it's shortly after he was put up on the cross. He was up there for several hours before he died. So the cross would have been laying on the ground when they pierced his hands and feet straight into the cross itself. And then they would have raised the cross up with his body on it and then set the cross into its holding place in the ground. And then shortly after that, within a few minutes or maybe 20 minutes after the cross went up, that's what this scene in Psalm 22 describes. So it would be the hind of the morning when this takes place. Now if you read the entire chapter, calling it the deer of the dawn doesn't make any sense. But if you call it the end of the morning time, then it makes perfect sense. King David had to have seen a vision of Jesus on the cross because that is what's being described here. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? These are the exact words that Jesus spoke on the cross when he was dying. He said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that was because he was left alone by the Father, because he took the blame for the sins of the whole world onto himself. He was separated from the Father in that instant. He didn't become a sinner because you have to sin to be a sinner, and Jesus never sinned, but he became the blame for sin, but not a sinner. Because if he became a sinner, he wouldn't have had the authority to die for us, because remember, only righteous blood could atone for our sins and transform our lives. So if Jesus' blood was guilty, it would have no atoning power over our own sin. But the Father did forsake him, because the Father is holy. And when Jesus became the blame for sin on the cross, the Father couldn't touch him. The Son really died alone in that sense, spiritually speaking. He was very alone. Yet the Father was watching and weeping. And we know this because the sky turned dark when Jesus died, and there was a great earthquake. And that shows you that the Father was grieving over the Son. Jesus, when he said that on the cross, he knew that he was quoting Psalm chapter 22, which had been written 400 years before he went on the cross. And the reason that Jesus quoted it was so that the Pharisees and all the other people around the cross would remember that all of this was prophesied 400 years ago by King David. And they would all remember, this is a fulfilling of prophecy. 
Every single one of them knew that when Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They all knew exactly what that meant. That meant the prophecy that was spoken is now fulfilled. Far from my salvation, the words of my roaring. Jesus isn't talking about spiritual salvation because he didn't need it. He is God and he never sinned. He was talking about physical salvation because the father did not save the son physically. Now remember in the garden, Jesus had asked the father, if there's any way I can get out of going to the cross, please make a way for me to avoid it. But the father said no. He didn't answer, which means no. So Jesus did have to die on the cross. Two, my God, I call all day and thou answerest not, and by night and there is no silence to me. Jesus said he had been calling on God since the night before, which was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he kept calling on the Father all that day when he was getting beaten, humiliated, tormented, stripped naked in front of people, and put on the cross. He kept crying to the Father, but the Father did not answer. Because the son had to go on the cross. It had to be done. Also, his faith and his obedience to the father was tested unto his last breath. And that's why the father didn't answer him. Remember, whenever God doesn't answer your prayer, your faith is being tested. 3. And thou art holy, sitting, the praise of Israel. The son says the father is holy. And that is why he wasn't talking to Jesus. Because Jesus became the blame for our sin. Because of the Father's holiness, he had to separate from the Son on that day. For in thee did our fathers trust, they trusted, and thou dost deliver them. And the Father delivered his children through his own Son, Jesus Christ. Just as he had delivered the Israelites many times in the Old Testament from Egypt, from all kinds of problems. 5. Unto thee they cried and were delivered, in thee they trusted and were not ashamed. When you trust in the Lord, you don't have to be ashamed because he will deliver. You don't end up with a red face saying, oh, I called on God and he didn't deliver. 6. And I am a worm and no man, a reproach of man and despised of the people. Jesus was treated like he was a worm and like he was absolutely worthless, subhuman. He was treated like he didn't matter. The worst bullying you can ever imagine was all done to Jesus Christ, and he was treated like absolute dirt under the people's feet. He was up there. They were mocking him, humiliating him. He was stripped naked as a virgin. He was a pure virgin stripped naked in front of them and mocked. Just think about how traumatizing that is. It's traumatizing enough to be naked in front of people, but to have them mocking you while you're naked, and you're a virgin, so it's even more traumatizing. And you're a holy person and you don't sin, so that makes it even more traumatizing. Jesus was despised. 7. All beholding me do mock me. They make free with a lip, shake the head. And the Bible says that the religious leaders were shaking their heads at Jesus and mocking him and insulting him while he was on the cross. It wasn't enough that he was dying. They had to insult him while he was dying. 8. Roll unto Jehovah, he doth deliver him. He doth deliver him, for he delighted in him. This is a quote that the Pharisees and the religious leaders said. When it says, roll unto Jehovah, he doth deliver him. That's a mocking, sarcastic statement, which means, if the Father loves you, he'll save you. And so they were rubbing it into Jesus' face that the Father wasn't saving him. But it was for their own benefit. It was for their own salvation. 
yet many of them weren't saved because they never repented of their sins, but it was meant for their own salvation. So that's another direct quote from the scene on the cross. We've seen two direct quotes. One of them was, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? by Jesus. And the other one was, Call unto God. If you're his son, like you said you are, he'll save you. So there's two quotes, which we see in the New Testament. 9. For thou art he bringing me forth from the womb, causing me to trust on the breasts of my mother. Jesus didn't put his trust in his mother. That isn't what this verse is saying. The verse is saying that he had to trust the father when he came to earth as a helpless baby. You see, Jesus left the throne of glory where he is and was God. And yet he left that throne and came in a human body on earth, a fragile, helpless body that couldn't take care of itself. And he had to get milk from a human mother to survive. And he trusted the father in all of that. Can you imagine the magnitude of the trust between the father and the son for the son to leave glory in heaven where he sat on a throne and then go to earth in a helpless human, fragile body of a baby and trust humans to take care of him? That is trust like you and I can never imagine. And that's what he's talking about. 10. On thee I have been cast from the womb, from the belly of my mother, thou art my God. Now a lot of Catholics would say, oh, that means that Mary is the mother of God. Well, it's impossible for Mary to be the mother of God because God existed before she did. And you can't be the mother of the one who existed forever before earth was even created and millennia before you were born on earth. God does not have a mother. What this is talking about is that Jesus came out of the womb of a human woman in the form of a fragile baby. He trusted the father that much that he would come to earth in this fragile, delicate form that could easily be wiped out at any moment. In fact, not only could he have been wiped out during childbirth, but after that, when Jesus was about two years old, King Herod sent out an edict to have all of the male babies that were two years old or younger slaughtered. That was why Joseph had to flee from Bethlehem and take the family to Egypt, and Jesus survived that too. From birth, his life was in danger. 11. Be not far from me, for adversity is near, for there is no helper. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed on the cross to his own father. And he said, come and help me. No one else will help me. But the father didn't help. He let the son die for your benefit and for my benefit. 12. Many bulls have surrounded me. Mighty ones of Bashan have compassed me. This is a metaphor. Jesus was calling the religious leaders strong bulls because they had a lot of power in the community and whatever they said went. These evil strong men were surrounding the cross and compassing it and laughing and mocking at him. They were in control of what was going on that day and they're the ones who caused him to die. 13. They have opened against me their mouth, a lion tearing and roaring. It was the religious leaders who caused the people to start screaming that Jesus be crucified. They were the ringleaders of all of this when the people demanded that Jesus be crucified. The Romans were the ones who physically put Jesus to death. It was by Pilate's order, and it was by the Roman guards' actual doing. But it would have never happened if it weren't for the Jewish religious leaders who demanded it. 
14. As waters I have been poured out, and separated themselves have all my bowels. My heart hath been like wax, it is melted in the midst of my bowels. When the Old Testament says bowels, it just means all of your innards. It doesn't necessarily mean your intestines. But he's saying that all of his organs are melting. He's just dying. He was dehydrated. He was terrified through the beatings. And he was dying. He was bleeding internally. So all of his organs were melting. And his heart was like wax. It was stopping. His heart was losing the power to keep beating. And he says that his bones were separated, meaning his bones were out of joint. This could have been partially from the beatings. It could have also been from him getting nailed to the cross and hanging on the cross. That could have put some of his bones out of joint. 15. Dried up as an earthen vessel is my power, and my tongue is cleaving to my jaws. And that's because he was massively dehydrated. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was sweating and crying profusely. And then he went through a 24-hour period of torment, torture, beatings, not getting any water or drink that whole time. The only water they offered him was actually vinegar, and you can't drink vinegar. 16. And to the dust of death thou appointest me, for surrounded me have dogs. A company of evildoers have compassed me, piercing my hands and my feet. There it is in black and white. His hands and feet were pierced. This was written 400 years before crucifixion existed as a practice. Nobody even got crucified when King David wrote this, so it had to be a vision that he saw. It mentions that Jesus' hands and feet were pierced. It also says that dogs have surrounded me. Now, I think this is literal and metaphor. The city dogs would have been there because of all the smells involved. But also, Jesus is calling all of the wicked men who were mocking him and surrounding him, he's calling them dogs as well. 17. I count all my bones. This means that his bones were sticking out, and this is probably from dehydration and the fact that Jesus was an avid faster. He fasted regularly to pray so that he could cast demons out and so that his faith would be strong and he could resist temptation and keep walking in righteousness. He was skinny to begin with, but after all of this ordeal, he was even more skinny because of the dehydration. They look expectingly. They look upon me. These men were gloating and gleefully watching him die. They couldn't wait to see him die. 18. They apportioned my garments to themselves, and we know that was the Roman soldiers, because they ripped up one of his garments and then the other one that was all one garment with no seams, they gambled over it to decide who would get it. And for my clothing, they caused a lot to fall. They were gambling or casting a lot for his seamless outer coat. 19. And thou, O Jehovah, be not far off, O my strength, to help me haste. The son said to the father, Don't be far from me, stay with me and help me. He knows he's going to die, and he knows he has to die. So this help would be, help me to remain righteous unto the end. Help me not to have any sin in my heart or unforgiveness. And remember, one of the last things Jesus did was he forgave everybody who crucified him. He said to the Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They had all offended Jesus, and they had all hurt him. So he asked for their forgiveness. So here we see so many startling things in this 
song that show us that it was a vision. There were the direct quotes from Jesus and the Pharisees, the fact that it says that his hands and his feet were pierced, the fact that it says that they ripped up one of his garments and cast lots for the other one. We know clearly this is Jesus on the cross. 20. Deliver from the sword my soul, from the paw of a dog mine only one. See how it says the paw of a dog? The city dogs probably were at the bottom of the cross. And the reason I came to realize this is because I heard a testimony from somebody who saw a vision of Jesus on the cross, and they said that there were dogs there, and the dogs were peeing at the bottom of the cross, which makes sense. And it says, deliver me from the sword, but Jesus did get pierced by the sword. After he died, the Roman soldier came and pierced him in the side. 21. Save me from the mouth of a lion, and from the horns of the high places thou hast answered me. Now the lion is Satan, and he died in victory. He went down without having ever sinned, and with his blood making atonement for our sin, and because of the righteousness of his blood, that it could transform our lives as well if we repent of our sins and give our life to him. We will be transformed and made like him. So that was a great victory. And then he went down to paradise and set the captives free, who had waited there for him to appear. In that, the Father did answer his prayer. 22. I declare thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I praise thee. He came to the assembly that was in Paradise, where Abraham and all the patriarchs were waiting for him. Paradise is empty today. There's nobody there anymore. Because when Jesus went down and told them who he was and that he was their Messiah, they received him and then he took them to heaven. From that day forward, nobody has ever gone to paradise. Now when we die, if we follow Christ, we go straight to heaven. And purgatory doesn't exist. That's a myth that the Catholic Church made up. But paradise did exist except today it's empty. 23. Ye who fear Jehovah, praise ye him, all the seed of Jacob, honor ye him, and be afraid of him, all ye seed of Israel. Now this is talking about a holy fear. We need to really have a holy fear for God. Because he's holy, he will not mingle with sin, and that's why we cannot go to heaven unless the righteousness of Jesus Christ is in us. So because of that holy fear, we are motivated to repent of our sins, and yet we also should be praising him because he provided salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Now at this point, the song switches a little bit and becomes more in the voice of King David. But at the beginning of the song, that was all from the perspective of Jesus Christ. But now at the end of the song, we're hearing more King David's perspective. It's like he saw a vision and then he came out of it and came to himself and now he's speaking for himself. 24. For he hath not despised nor abominated the affliction of the afflicted, nor hath he hidden his face from him, and in his crying unto him he heareth. And now King David is saying, Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be heard and saved. 25. Of thee my praises in the great assembly, my vows I complete before his fearers. King David says, When I make a promise to the Lord, I keep that promise before all of those who follow you, Lord, before all of those who obey you. A vow could be saying that you're going to fast for a certain time period or that you're going to sacrifice something for his kingdom. 26. The humble do eat and are satisfied. Praise Jehovah, do those seeking him. Your heart doth live forever. What do the humble eat? They eat the word of God. 
which is the gospel and the word of Jesus Christ, and they are satisfied because the word of God brings us salvation. 27. Remember and return unto Jehovah, do all ends of the earth, and before thee bow themselves, do all families of the nations. There are people all over the world who follow the Lord and who obey the Lord and bow to him and worship him. 28. For to Jehovah is the kingdom, and he is ruling among nations. The Lord will rule forever over the entire earth. 29. And the fat ones of earth have eaten, and they do bow themselves before him. Before him bow, do all going down to dust, and he who hath not revived his soul. Everybody who is rich on earth also will bow and worship the Lord, and anybody who dies will bow before him. The Bible says that everybody will bow before Jesus Christ when he appears in the sky. The whole earth will tremble and bow before him, even his enemies. 30. As seed doth serve him, it is declared of the Lord to the generation. Every generation of Christians who follow the Lord tell the next generation about the Lord. 31. They come and declare his righteousness to a people that is born, that he hath made. It's saying that each generation will declare the righteousness of the Lord to the next generation. But I also believe that this is prophetic, talking about people who are born again in Christ, that the Lord rebirths us when we follow him. That was a mind-blowing prophecy that we just read that was written 400 years before Christ went to the cross, and it perfectly describes that scene a few hours before he died. And that concludes Psalm chapter 22.